0: How you guys doing tonight? Sweet. I love you. Hey, listen, I, I want to uh, start out tonight. I want to bring a couple people up here. I want to bring, uh, let me have uh, Megan Welch. And uh, let's see, where is Larissa? Where's Larissa at? Where's Larissa? All right, and where's Cade at? Where's Cade? Come on up here, Cade. Where's Cade? Yeah, come on up here, Larissa and Cade. Come on up here. Up here, my friends. What's up? How's it going? Good. All I have to say is, is that Megan Welch was the, the queen Kajabi Can-Can tonight. So y'all give it up for her. <laughs> Cade was the king Kajabi Can-Can. And then Larissa just took everybody out, dudes and girls and all. So here's the deal. I got three $25 gift cards a regal entertainment group for you guys to go watch a movie or whatever on us. Thank you guys for coming tonight and being a part of that. You're awesome. And uh, yes, it pays to win. And, uh, and so uh, just so you know, man, we got a lot of stuff coming up and we're really, if you're here and you got here like at seven o'clock. Just know that our services are going to continue to be at 7 o'clock, but we want to invite you out early from 6 to 7. Next week from 6 to 7, we're going to be playing Amazon Woman, which if you've never played that before, um, yeah, it's awesome. Pretty much the girls get to beat up the guys, but it's cool. And uh, And then the next week... The next week is going to be Water Wars from 6 to 7, and a part of Water Wars that night, we're going to play Kajabi Can-Can again, except for instead of a trash can in the middle, a swimming pool is going to be in the middle, and, uh, and so we're going to have Water Wars that night, we're going to have 1,500 water balloons, all this kind of stuff from 6 to 7, it's going to be a lot of fun, so come out, have fun with us, and, uh, and then we'll come in and have the service, bring a change of clothes that night, don't wear a white t-shirt because we don't want to see that. And uh, yes. Um, man, I just, before we get in tonight, before we get in tonight, I just got to tell you guys something really cool. If you were here last week, you were, uh, you saw and, and, uh, a part of, shh, pay attention. If you were here last week, we talked about how to pray. And we, we're in this how-to series, and this last week we talked about how to pray, this week and next week we're going to talk about how to read the Bible, how to get into the Word of God, that kind of stuff, and then we're going to talk a couple of weeks on how to share your faith and, and go through that kind of deal, and it was kind of cool because last week I was talking to you guys about how to pray. And I was talking about how, like, sometimes we need persistence in our prayers, and you know, sometimes we just need to take our requests to God. Because here's the reality: the reality is God knows what we need even before we we ask it. But He asks us; He gives us the opportunity to go and ask Him for the things that we need, so that it shows our dependency on Him. This is what's really cool. Last week I mentioned, and I was, as I was talking about that, as I said, sometimes God answers our prayers with a yes. Sometimes he answers our prayers with a no, and we don't understand why he says no. But God's plan is bigger than our plan. God knows better than us. And I gave you guys a story about how I prayed when I was in middle school to marry this particular girl, and I thank God that I didn't marry her, and now I'm married to my beautiful wife Megan. And sometimes, sometimes God says wait. And I told you guys a story last Thursday night. I said, uh, I said, you know, I don't. I said, I don't. I don't know why. I've been here for six months. And our mine and my wife's house hasn't sold yet and we have been praying for this and praying for it and praying for it. And I said, But maybe the reason God hasn't put it given us a contract or whatever on our house is because He's got some things he wants to teach Megan and I in this season of our life. Maybe he wants us to be patient. Maybe he just wanted us to focus on the student ministry and all that kind of stuff beforehand. Um, but but that's just something that that I don't know why God has said wait on. And and in this economy, who knows when your house is going to sell anyway? Uh, but we believe God brought us here, and we believe God orchestrated all this stuff and, and and brought us here, and we just believe God was calling us here and and all that. And we just getting scratching our heads a little bit about why our house hadn't sold. And, and and I just told you guys last week that's just something I've just given over to God and said God I just trust you right now I know you haven't said yes to this but I know that you're saying wait and so that was Thursday and Thursday night my wife said you know, after she left that that was just even a challenge to her to say God I just need to give it over to you and trust you with this and just put it over in your hands because it has been a little bit stressful Friday we got a contract on our house <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it God is good. He's awesome. And let me tell you something. God answers prayers. And God sometimes answers our prayers in our timing. And sometimes He answers prayers in His timing. But God's timing is the right timing every time. And don't ever forget that. And I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed uh, to have been a part of this journey that God is taking us on and we're excited about where God's gonna lead us to buy a house and all this kind of stuff. But I just thought that in light of last week, Megan and I were just like flipping out, we're jumping around, and this is what we do when we get excited. We 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 were running around the house and we were just going, ah, 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 and we're both just looking at each other like this. Ah, and then just random times this weekend, we had both just look at each other and we both just start going, ah, Because it's exciting. I mean, we're so excited about it. And and we've just been praising God and thanking God because here's the deal. When God does answer prayer requests in our life, then it's so appropriate for us to go and praise him and thank him for the things that he's done for us in our lives. And uh, so, man, I just, I just wanted to tell you guys that I thought that was a really cool story. Moving on. Tonight, we're going to be going in on to how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one around your seat or so. Uh, and if not, there's one in the back. You can grab one. And if you don't own a Bible, you feel free to take one in the back and leave with it. Now, on your seat... <clears throat> Every single one of you on your seat got one of these purple sheets. I'm really going to be focusing on the content of these purple sheets a lot next week. But I wanted to go ahead and put it in your hand because it's applicable to tonight as we talk about how to study... The Bible. And this will give you a guide on how to start, where to begin, where to go, what to do, all that kind of stuff. And so I want to challenge you with that. Uh, that is this. Keep it. Put it in your Bible. Take it home with you. And, uh, and this will just uh, this will basically walk you through how to have a devotional, how to spend time with God, taking 15 minutes and walk through some passages of Scripture, what to look for, how to get stuff out of it, all that. I wrote this up for you guys so that you guys can have that. Now, if you've got your Bibles and you've opened up to Mark chapter 6, I want us to, um, the story that we're going to be in tonight, and, uh, and basically, let me, let me kind of lay this out to you. Tonight, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about how I read the Bible, all right? Now, I'm not going to be talking to you tonight as much on how I study the Bible. I'm going to be talking to you a little bit more on how I read the Bible. Next week, I'm going to teach you how to study it and really pull a bunch of stuff out of it. But tonight, I want to show you how I read it. Now, I I am a I am a picture person. I think in pictures. I see in pictures, that kind of stuff. And, and that's how I memorize a lot of Scripture. I do that in through pictures and through visual things that kind of trigger things in my brain. And so, you're going to see when I read this passage of Scripture in a minute how I do that. And I'm going to walk you through how I do it. Now, in Mark chapter 6, we get the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And here's the cool thing about the story of the feeding of the 5,000. This is the only miracle that Jesus did that is mentioned in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now the interesting thing about it is, is that in each one of these particular, uh, in each one of the stories that are mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you, when, by reading all four of them, you get to really see the complete story. Like for example, in John chapter 6, which I'm going to read here in a little bit, it talks about this young boy who had the loaves and the fishes. John is the only writer that mentions the boy. The other accounts mention that they got the loaves and fishes, but it doesn't really say where they got them from. They just got them from the crowd. And so, you know, some people will say, oh, contradiction. There we go. Bible's contradiction. John says right here that a boy brought the fishes, and the other three don't mention the boy. But here's the reality. When you got four different people that are telling the story, and they're telling it from different perspectives on what's going on, on the, in the scene, they see things differently. And so Andrew, who saw the boy, he may have been a little farther away from Jesus and standing around the edge of the crowd. And the boy may have been in front of him. And that's the reason that the, that particular uh, passage brings up the fact that Andrew takes, the, the, takes it from the boy. It, it would be like if there was, if there was a, a, a crime scene that happened at the mall. And you had the clerk got robbed and you had someone that was standing right behind the guy who pulled out the gun to rob the clerk. The person standing behind the person who pulled out the gun to rob the clerk is going to have a much different vantage point than the guy who is three clothing racks over who can't really see what's going on. Because he's laying on the ground and he looks over and he's like, I see a guy in his shoes and I hear him yelling at the clerk but I don't know what kind of weapon he's holding. And then there's another guy, the security guy, who's over at the, at the door and he hears the commotion and he takes off running and by the time he runs on the scene, the guy who has the gun is running away and he's chasing the guy. And so if you go and you interview all four of these people, all four of those people are going to have different perspectives on what happened in that situation. And so what you do is you take all of those stories, you bring them together and you build the complete story of what happened. Does that make sense? A contradiction would be if John said there was a boy with the two loaves and two fishes, and Luke said this ball-headed six-foot-eight man gave him the two loaves and fishes. That would be a contradiction. And so the cool thing about it is when you have multiple attestation, is what they call it, when you have multiple eyewitnesses and things that are going on here, it builds together this complete picture, and you get to see it all. So, so I would tell you and challenge you, and this is what I do, if I'm going to teach a passage of Scripture, something I do is, if I'm reading it, especially if it's in the Gospels, and I know that there's another account of this story, sometimes what I'll do is, and most of the time what I'll do is, I'll go and I'll read those other accounts so I can get the complete picture of what's going on. And then what I do is I get into the story. So we get to, to Mark chapter six, and I'm going to give you a little little background about what's going on. In fact, if you, uh, if you uh, go to like verse around verse six, if you go around to verse six and between verse six and verse 12, um, Jesus takes the disciples aside and he tells them i want you guys to go out and i want you to go to all the surrounding towns and i want you to heal people i want you to to uh to 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 meet the needs of the poor i want you to do things that are that that, you know you just can't do apart from the power of god and so the disciples go out and they start going to these villages and they're praying over people and they're healing the sick and they're, they're they're just doing all of these miracles that jesus has commissioned them out to do and these guys have been doing this and they are exhausted. They are wiped out. They've been doing this all day. And, and then they come up to Jesus. And they want to tell Jesus about all the stuff that they had been doing. So what you need to do is when you get to a passage and you're reading it, go ahead and read what's before it. Try to figure out what's going on in the story so you can see what's happening because that's really going to help you draw out some things in this passage that I'm going to show you in a minute. So we get to this story and this is what it says in verse, in verse 30. It says, this, The apostles gathered around Jesus... And reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and let's rest a while. For many people were coming and going that they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, and he had compassion on them, for they were as sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, This is is the wilderness, and it's getting late. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy them something to eat. You give them something to eat, Jesus responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. When they found out, they said five and two fishes. Then he instructed them to have the people sit down and he sits them in groups of 50s and groups of hundreds. And we see this in some of the the stories. And he takes it and they begin to spread this bread and these two fishes out and they feed every person. And at the end, they have 12 basketfuls left over. And as I'm reading this story, If you just read it at first glance and you read it through, and I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this, this was my life in reading for the entire time I was in elementary school, middle school, and high school. I would read something, and I would get to the end of it, or I would read a chapter or something for homework, and I would get to the end of it, and I would have no clue what the page before it said, let alone what the whole story said. Any of you guys relate to that? Does that ever happen to you? You just read it, you get to the end, you're like, what the heck, I don't even know what I just read. And that, that happens, right? And, and it happens when you read the Bible too. It happens when you read it and you're like, man, this is boring, this is stupid, reading stupid and all this kind of stuff because you really don't get that much out of it. And the reason we don't is because we don't really know how to read. And I want to challenge you guys. So when you read God's Word and when you read, put yourself in the place of what's going on so what I do is I take myself and I put myself in the story and I imagine myself as the disciples, as Jesus, as each person in the story and I read through it. So I want to tell you guys and I want to show you guys a little bit of the perspective of hel- helping you know, see how I read the story. So it tells us here in this passage, it tells us, and I'm gonna start with the disciples. Let's just start with him. So they've just been out healing and all this kind of stuff. And I can imagine if I'm one of the disciples, I'm coming back and I'm excited. We're coming back, Jesus, man, you won't believe what we just did, man. Jesus, oh God, it was crazy. Like there was this lady and she was blind. And I went over to her and I was like, I mean, do you, do you want to see it? It's like, yeah, I want to see. And I prayed over. And she's like, oh my goodness, I can see it was crazy. We were hugging and crying, and snot was everywhere. I mean, it was awesome. And then, and then John's like, Oh man, you wouldn't believe it. There was this guy, he was paralyzed he was laid out on the ground and i went over to him and I, was, I was praying over him or whatever and, and he looked up. he he's like i don't feel any better and then peter came over and he said let me pray i'm a better prayer and peter prayed over him and then all of a sudden he stood and i was mad at peter but it was really cool and so and, and he's telling jesus all these stories and, and then all of a sudden what they realize is is that jesus is busy because jesus has crowds of people around him the interesting thing about Jesus is when you read through the gospel accounts, Jesus always had crowds around him. I mean, Jesus was like the go- Jesus was kind of like the fight in the cafeteria, right? Like, if there's a fight, I mean, if there's a fight in school, no one is running in the opposite direction, right? Like, there's a fight in school and everybody's like, Waiting at you know, everybody's running, they're crawling, you know, whatever. I mean, they're like trying to stick their head, like looking through legs to, to see what's going on. And that's, that's Jesus, everywhere Jesus goes, there's crowds following him. So there's all these crowds around Jesus, and Jesus is like, man, that's awesome, guys, that's great, man. Hey, but I'm, I'm talking to this. I got. A, I'm talking to this lady right here, and yeah, and I'm, I'm dealing with these people right here, and and these guys had been working so hard. The Bible tells us here. If you read through the story here, Mark, it tells us that they they had no rest, and they didn't have anything to eat. They had skipped lunch. So these guys are excited about what God's done, and they were so excited in the mix of all the work and everything that they're like. Woo, finally, we get to rest, we get to come back, we get to celebrate what God's done, and they get back to Jesus, and Jesus is still working, and there's still people around, and there are still people Jesus are healing, and these guys are exhausted. They're like, man, this is hard work. And Jesus recognizes they're tired, the passage tells us here. And so Jesus says, let's, let's just slip away, and let's get in a boat, and let's, let's, let's kind of let's go away. Let's, let's go, let's go to, a, to a wilderness place, to a deserted place where we can just kind of get some rest. You guys can recharge your batteries. You guys can get something to eat. And so they proceed to get onto a boat, and I can imagine they're like trying to sing. I'm like, all right, all right, this is the game plan. All right, these people are crazy. They follow Jesus everywhere. They're like fanatics, whatever. So this is what we got to do. All right. So here's the deal. Like Peter, John, you guys go start the boat, get the boat ready, get the oars ready. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else, y'all pretend like we're going that way, and then when y'all get around the edge of the building, y'all run back down and y'all slide down the hill, jump on the boat, and Jesus is like, I'll just disappear and reappear in the boat or something. I don't know what Jesus said, but and, you know, and Jesus is like, we'll get in the boat. So they get in the boat and they start taking off. Now, now. It tells us here that they are on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee. And you say, where is the Sea of Galilee at? Like, how do I know how that is? Well, one, you can look in your Bible and look at, a, at a, if you've got a, maps in your Bible. Or you can go to Google and type in the Sea of Galilee. And you can look at pictures of the Sea of Galilee and see where it's located and all that kind of stuff. But for today's purposes, I'll draw you the Sea of Galilee. I'll draw you Israel and all that kind of stuff. And my artistic skills are above the average person, as you will soon see. This is the Mediterranean. Yes, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. This is the uh, this is the Mediterranean Sea. This is the Mediterranean Sea right here. Sea of Galilee would have been here. That's the Jordan River, and down here is the Dead Sea. All right? And uh, so if you ever look at a map, and, and this, is, this would be, you know, you know Israel, modern-day Israel today. In fact, the Gaza Strip would kind of be over here on this side today where the Palestinians are if you kind of want to know a little history. You know, Jerusalem's kind of like right here. Jericho's right here. You know, this is the, down here is, uh, is, is kind of the desert. Uh, this is where uh, John the Baptist was out preaching, and people would go out from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And during this time, it was broken up into three different regions. This region was called Galilee. This region was called Samaria. And this region down here that Jerusalem was in was called uh, Judah or Judea. And these are the three areas that this, this particular this particular thing was. And, and they are up on the Sea of Galilee. And they are traveling around on the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus did most of his ministry, most of his early ministry around the Sea of Galilee. And so they're up here and they're, they're doing some, some ministry up here. And they begin and, 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 uh, and they're healing people and stuff. And then so they get on a boat and they begin to go around the sea. Now the Sea of Galilee is, is, is not a small little lake. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. And in fact, we see storms that come up on the Sea of Galilee because it's so big. And you see this even when Jesus calms the storm. You see this when Jesus walks on water. These are storms that happen on the Sea of Galilee. These are big storms. I mean, so, so big that they thought that they were going to die in the storms. And so, so what they would do is they would, they would take a travel route that would go close to the shoreline so they wouldn't get caught in a storm out in the middle. And the passage tells us, and as you read in some of the others and you get the kind of the complete story, the the passage tells us and and the Bible tells us that they traveled to Bethsaida. Bethsaida. And this is where Bethsaida would have been located. It's on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I've got a picture of Bethsaida. If you want to see a modern-day picture of Bethsaida, so you can kind of picture where they went. And this would have actually been, uh, that's the picture of the Sea of Galilee. And this is actually the area in which it uh, uh, is believed that Jesus would have fed the 5,000. This is a real place you can go visit today. It's not some imaginary, mythical place or whatever. Uh, this is a real place in which Jesus uh, performed this miracle. And so, so what happened is, is that they get in the boat, and these disciples are tired. I can imagine they get in the boat, and they're like, you know, massaging each other's feet. No, I don't really know if that's pretty gross. And, uh, but they're just kind of hanging out on the boat. And, and so they get around, and, and the, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that these people were so fanatical about Jesus. When you read through the story, it says that they begin to follow him uh, through all the different places. So look what he said. Look what he says right here in Verse uh, 32. He says, so they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, the Bethsaida, but many saw them leaving and recognized them. They tried to sneak out, but people saw him. I can imagine people are like, man, where are they going? Where are they going? Some dude's over there. He's like peeking through the bushes, you know. He's like, they're on a boat. And the people are like, what? They're leaving? Like they were just, yeah, they're on a boat. And the people go over there and they're like peeking through the bushes, too, you know. And they see the boat down there. I mean, y'all can imagine the hill, right? And there's a, you know, they see him getting on the boat, and they're like, no. And they come running down the hill or whatever. And by that time, they'd already pushed off, and the disciples are in the back, getting on the finger. Just kidding, that didn't happen. And uh, and so and just making sure you're awake. And then what happens is so they're going around the boat, and these people are freed out, they, they just want to be around. So the Bible tells us, notice what he says. This is awesome. He says this. He says, And the people ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. These people were so hungry for Jesus that they literally began to run around the Sea of Galilee following the boat. Now, if you go and you look at at where the terrain is between this area that they would have to run on, it is rocky, it is dusty, it is all this kind of stuff. And and if you can imagine, if the crowd was maybe a couple hundred people to start with, the Bible tells us that they ran around from town to town, no telling how long this took. These people are fanatics. And I can imagine the disciples are sitting down in the boat and they're looking up there and they're seeing these, these just crazy lunatic people running up on the hillside and they're like... What the heck is going on? We're never gonna eat lunch. These the, I don't I can you know what, I don't even like these people, Jesus. And I can imagine they're grumbling and complaining amongst themselves and, and they're running and, and look as they're running through the towns, the people in the towns are going. Dude, what's going on? They're like, you see that boat down there? Jesus is in that boat. You mean the Jesus of Nazareth, the one who's been like killing people and <clears throat> doing all these miracles? And all? Yeah, that guy. And they're like, come on. And so they go in, they're grabbing babies, dragging toddlers. I mean, they're chasing after them and all this kind of stuff. And the next thing you know, we see them arriving here and the Bible tells us they beat Jesus. They beat the boat to where they were landing. And I can imagine by the time they got there and this massive crowd was building, the Bible tells us Jesus fed 5,000 men that day. Some scholars believe that there could have been twenty to 25,000 people there with, which, with children and, 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 uh, and wives and, and all that kind of stuff. But regardless, even if there was 5,000, there's a lot of people that are lined up that are waiting, this massive crowd. And I can imagine when the boat pulls in, the disciples are just like, No. And I mean, they're probably even whispering to each other, all right, who's going to tell Jesus that we are tired, that we are hungry, and like, I know th- these people are crazy. Like, we, like, when are we going to sleep? When are we going to eat? I mean, these guys are freaking out, you know? And, and, they're, they're, and, so, and so then Jesus goes out, and of course, Jesus, I mean, he's, he's, he's a cool cucumber. He goes out there, and he's the central figure in the whole story, right? I mean, Jesus is also, Jesus understands that ministry's hard, and ministry takes a lot out of you, and ministry exhausts you, and it does. Speaking from first hand. and what happens is, is that you guys exhaust me now. And so then he, so then, so then he goes and he walks through the crowd, and and they're they're standing in the crowd, and I mean, people are everywhere, and they are fighting to get to Jesus. I mean, they are crawling to get, to, they're trying to get around the crowd. They, I mean, just if they could just get a glimpse. I mean, you ever you ever been to like a Kenny Chesney concert somewhere? I mean, there's like twenty five thousand people. There. That's like how many people we're talking about? That many people? Can you imagine if Kenny Chesney or whoever you like jumps off the stage, goes down to the middle, and and all these these crazy girls are Justin Bieber or whoever and all the girls are like, oh my God. And they're like running, you know, and, and that, that's G, like Jesus is this popular, right? And so he's standing there in the middle and everybody's trying to get to him and the disciples are, you know, they're, they're holding people back and they're, they're trying to block him and Jesus is signing autographs, not really, and then he's like healing people and people just want to, like, they just want to touch him and they just want to, they want to talk to him and they want him to pray over him and, I mean, all this stuff is happening and it's just happening so fast and these guys, and they are exhausted and the Bible tells us it's getting to the end of the day. I bet the disciples are looking at each other going, hmm. And old Philip says, I got a plan. What if we went and told Jesus that it's getting late in the day and that these people need to go eat? Then Jesus will have compassion on them. He will send them home to go eat. And then we get to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's like good plan, good plan, and so Jesus goes. Uh, so, so they go over to they go over to Jesus and they and they say and, and they say uh, you know say who's who's going to tell him and and Philip's like I don't want to tell him and, and and Peter's like well I don't want to tell him John's like I don't want to tell him Andrew's like I don't want to tell I don't want to tell him and they're going back and forth and they're kind of complaining and they're like all right let's draw straws. Let's draw straws. That's what they did. I'm telling you, it's not in the story, but I guarantee that's what they did. And so they go up there, and they they, 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 you know, they draw straws, and and so I don't really know if they had straws back then, but let's just go with it. And so they draw straws, and 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 they, and they get to one, you know, one of the guys gets to the short sitting. And he goes, there to "Jesus, and I, hey Jesus, hey man, oh yeah, yeah, that kid's so cute. Listen, uh, uh, you know, man, I know you really care about these people, and." I think they're kind of hungry and maybe tired. and I mean, I mean there's a lot, of, a lot of, you know, uh, kind of, some of them have kind of a hike to get back to their houses. I mean, these people need to eat. So can you just kind of, you know, why don't you just send them back home? And Jesus, in all his compassion, looks at him, looks over at Philip and says, why don't you feed him? I can imagine he was like, Ooh! There's about to be a fight in the cafeteria right now. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me, what did you say, Jesus? And Jesus is like, why don't you feed them? He's like, Jesus, it would take 200 denarii to feed them. Jesus says, all right. Listen, 200 denarii, a day's wages was a denarii. And this denarii, 200 of them, was eight months' wages. And Philip's like, we don't have that kind of money. Now the interesting thing is when you read through here and you're like, why did Jesus ask Philip where the people could go and eat? And Jesus asked Philip where they can go and eat when you read through the, through the four stories. And why did he ask Philip that question? Well, if you go and you do a little study of Philip, and this is kind of getting into the study part and getting to the background and understanding what's going on in the passage, this is where Philip's from. Philip is from this area. He grew up in this area. If anybody knew where the food was and if anybody knew how much the food cost, it was Philip. And so Jesus, knowing that, addresses Philip. And then Jesus says, Well, if you can't feed them, I'll feed them. Have the people sit down in 50s and hundreds. See if you can find me some food laying around. Now at this point, I can imagine they're frustrated, but the interesting thing about it is they obeyed him. They obeyed Jesus. I mean, these guys had had enough. They had been working and healing and doing all this stuff, and they come to the thing, and they try to get some break, and crazy people are everywhere, and, and, and they are just tr- they're just trying to chill out a little bit. They just want to rest. They just want to eat. These guys have missed lunch. They are hungry. And I'm here to tell you, you can ask my wife, when I miss a meal, I get, I get a little ornery. If may, My wife and I get in a big fight about something or whatever, and I'm just like, Bleh! you know what I mean? She's like, have you eaten dinner yet? I'll be like, nope. She'll be like, that's why. And I'm sure they were like that too, man. You know when you just get hungry and you're just like, man, I just I don't want to do anything. Especially when people are around you, just want to eat. There's no end in sight. There's people everywhere. Let's flip over to John chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, you can flip over there. It's a few pages over. John chapter 6 also gives us the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to start in verse uh, 7. Well, let's, let's jump back up to verse 4. Let's cover Philip here. He says, Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and then noticed a huge crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to, to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answers, 200 denarii would, worth of bread wouldn't be enough to feed each, for each one of them just to have a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what is that among so many? Then Jesus says, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, as you saw on the screen right there. And so the people sat down. And he began to feed them. Listen. I read through this story and I put myself in the place of the disciples Then I put myself in the place of the crowd. I mean, think about the crowd just for a minute, the hunger that they have for Jesus to run all that way. But listen, notice that the crowd is not the one who is coming to Jesus saying, hey man, can we break for dinner? It's the disciples. Notice that the disciples are the ones saying, hey, let's go find something to eat. The crowd, I guarantee you, the crowd would have stayed there the entire night without any meal as long as they had a chance to spend time with Jesus. Jesus. the crowd understood. And I try to put myself in Philip's place, knowing this is his hometown. Maybe he even knows some of the people that are in the crowd. And I try to put myself in the place of of... of of Jesus and kind of the things that Jesus are thinking. And when I read the Scripture, this is the, this is the thought process that I go through. I try to make the passage come alive so that I can see what's going on. And I ask myself those questions about, man, what, why is it that the crowd is not the one complaining about going to go eat? The disciples are concerned about the crowd eating, but the crowd doesn't seem to be concerned about eating. And then I see this boy. And it's kind of just a little kind of mark in the story. And the mark in the story is just Andrew's like, yeah, there's a boy over here with five barley loaves and two small fish. That's the only mention of this boy we get. Then I just try to put myself in the place of the boy. That that boy was from one of these towns. That boy's hungry. Somebody packed him a lunch that day, and he grabbed it, and he ran out the door. Why? Because he wanted to go be where Jesus was. And this boy, nobody knows how old he is, but he called him a boy, so he's probably pretty young, and he's running, and I can imagine he's he's following the crowd of people, and he's running, and he's finding his way, and finally Jesus gets to the shore, and 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 it, because he's a boy, people are tossing him aside and, and all that kind of stuff, and you know how it is, man, if you're ever somewhere, and there's just a big crowd of people, and everybody's trying to push through, and, and, and so all of a sudden, there's just this massive crowd around Jesus, and listen, I'm here to tell you, if there's this kind of crowd around Jesus, I mean, just think about it for a minute, this massive crowd of maybe 20 to 25 thousand people and there's a small pocket in front of Jesus where the disciples are trying to keep people back. Andrew would have been one of those disciples that would have been there. So that boy would have had to have been just like right in front of him in order for him to have seen him anyway. Andrew didn't start fighting through this massive crowd to go find this boy. The boy was right there. Here's the question. How did the boy get there? I imagine. That that boy fault his little... Te- this, this was the little red-headed stepchild kid. That was him. Any red-headed stepchilds in here? Yes, God be. And... Uh, <laughs> He was the redheaded, I mean, he, he, I mean, dude, he is, but he's biting people on the ankles. He's crawling through people's legs. He's getting up. I mean, he's going. He's dipping. He's diving. He's ducking. I mean, he's moving through. He's throwing aside babies because he's bigger than them. I'm just kidding. Anyways, and he's fighting his way to the front. Listen, this kid was fighting to the front because he wanted to be close to Jesus, and nothing was going to stop him. I man, what's the application in that story? You say, how what, what, what in this story? As you read it, Derek, what are the things that stick out to you? I'll tell you what sticks out to me. Is my faith like that little boy's? Do I chase after Jesus in such a way that a massive crowd, people way bigger than things way bigger than me, obstacles that stand in my way? Is there anything that stands in my way from me getting to Jesus? That's application. I can imagine this little boy sitting there, standing there, and he's, I mean, I, his face is pinned between two fat guys that he made up the front, and he's looking through the hole there, and he can just barely see Jesus' face, and he's got his little handle on his lunchbox right down below him, and, and Andrew's looking through, and he sees these two guys, and he notices this little boy's face there, and he's like, that's kind of weird. He looks down, and he sees the bag, and he's like, hey, Jesus, I got one here, and he snatches the kid's lunch out of his hand. I can imagine the kid is like, what the heck, man? Like, dang, I'm hungry, and I just fought my way all the way to the front. I ran all the way around the lake. Nobody knows if the kid cries. We don't know. I imagine if I was a kid, I would have cried. So the kid's crying. He's like, he stole my lunch and all these kids freaking out people are like what the heck's going on Andrew's over here holding a bag like hey Jesus look I got a a couple barley loaves and a couple fish and the kid can't break through because these two big guys are in his way and and he's like give me my lunch and he's like fighting trying to get through there he wants his lunch back and all this kind of stuff and I can imagine Jesus is like calm down chill out I'm about to show you something's gonna blow your stinking mind as everybody sit down in the crowd and who knows what he did with those 12 baskets The baskets that were left over at the end. Maybe he walks over to the boy with that basket. And he hands the basket to the boy and he says, take this home to your mama. Who knows? I just speculate. So much application you can pull out of just a little story like that. And if you're just reading the Bible, if you're just reading a story and you're just kind of blowing through it and reading through it, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, mm mm-hmm, oh, yeah, okay, so Jesus fed 5,000. That's great. Awesome, Jesus. Go, God. And you kind of read through it. Man, you could totally miss some of the most powerful, powerful messages in the Scripture, in the Word of God by just missing what's going on here because you don't know how to read the Word of God because you don't know how to read. When I learn to read like that, when I learn to to read and put myself in the story, when I read, I use all five of my senses. I imagine that when I'm standing in the crowd, I'm like, what are the things that I'm smelling? I'm smelling some bo because these people don't wear deodorant because they didn't have deodorant back then and mugs ran all the way around the lake. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sitting there. What else am I smelling? I, I'm, I'm, I'm smelling a baby who just pooped on his, on it. You know, his mom's holding him right there beside him. What else are you smelling, man? I'm smelling, I'm smelling some of that fish and chips that Jesus just hooked us up with over here a minute ago. You know what I'm saying? Those are the things I'm smelling. What are the things that I'm tasting, man? I'm tasting this food, man. What are the things that I'm seeing, man? I, I, I know that I'm, I'm seeing like this amazing miracle just happen. I'm seeing this weird scene of maybe 25,000 people sitting in random sections of 50 people getting fed food. I'm I'm seeing seeing Jesus expand all of this food to all of these different people. and I'm seeing all of these miracles happen in front of me and I'm just blown away by them. What do I hear? I hear a lady who's crying out to God saying, thank you Thank you, thank you. Because Jesus just touched her and healed her. What am I seeing? Man, I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing my busted up feet from the rocks that I tripped on running around the, the lake. I'm seeing families' lives being changed as they have an encounter with Jesus. I'm seeing this beautiful scenery of the, the lake in the background, the Sea of Galilee in the background, and, and just all of the, the lush green grass as we've been spread out and people just eating together and enjoying this time together. I mean, when you begin to put yourself in the story and you begin to use all of your senses to engage the story, it all of a sudden starts to come alive to you. And then you start asking yourself the question, man, what is God trying to say to me through this story? I'll challenge you guys as you read the Word of God to not casually read it. To read it to try to get something out of it. To read it in such a way that you're going to be impacted by it. I would rather you go and read 12 to 15 verses of scripture in your bible and really break it apart like that and get out the truth in it that is in it then I would you go and sit down and say hey man I read the the whole entire gospel of John today you did what'd you learn It's about studying. It's about loving on God's Word. It's about getting it. and there there is a place for that. I'll just be honest with you guys, man. Right now, I'm I'm reading Scripture in bulk in my, in my personal time with God. And so I'm trying to read like 10 chapters a day. And so I just kind of read through it. And then there are times where I take two or three verses, and I just rip them apart and just, just dive into them and just kind of figure out, you know, the whole meaning behind it and all this kind of stuff. And next week, I'm going to teach you guys how to do that. I'm going to teach you how to get to the background information of what's going on behind the verse. I'm going to t- teach you how to get to the context of Scripture because here's the Reality. You guys think in a Western mindset. The Bible was written in an Eastern mindset. You guys don't understand some of the Jewish practices and the things that were going on during the first century that are so applicable to what's going on in the Word of God and in the Scriptures. Because these are the this is the world. This is the reality in which Jesus and the disciples and everyone else lived in during this time in the first century in Israel. And so we got to talk about that kind of stuff. We got to engage those things. We gotta we gotta see how does this thing interact in the cultural context of their day to understand what's going on. We need to. Know when this book of the Bible was written so that we can understand what's going on outside of the Bible story and understand what's going on in the background of what's going on like in Isaiah when Isaiah writes and Isaiah is talking and he's he's talking about the different kings and he talks and he's talking to the king of Babylon and and he's talking about the king of Persia that's going to come and take over the king of Babylon and he's talking through all this kind of stuff and the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire and these empires were real empires that really happened and really existed because the 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 Bible is historically true and historically accurate and you can't disprove that. And so because of that, well, you can go and you can study that and you can see what the background information and all the things that are going on in the background there and it really helps those scriptures come alive. Next week, I'm going to teach you how to do that kind of stuff and I'm going to teach you how to study it and get to the background of it and know how to really study the Bible when you read the Bible to get the most out of it. And I want to challenge you that as you go home, take this guide tonight. And go and get into a passage, and, and I even, I mean, I broke it down here pretty, pretty simple for you, that if you've never read the Bible, if you look under Scripture, read passage, if you've never read the Bible before, then start in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. When you read, use your senses, taste, smell, feel, sight, and hearing. Literally put yourself in the story and imagine how the story plays out. Observations. Have a pen ready and underline the things that stick out to you and write down the answers. Where does the story and writing take place? If you don't know the place, then look it up and then go back to the Bible or Google or whatever and, and look it up and figure out what's going on and it's on and on and on. These are things, this is a tool that will help you. This will help you get started. This will help you read your Bible. This will help you as you guide through it. Because anybody that says to me that the Bible is boring, either one, they don't know how to read, or number two, they've never read the Bible. Because the Bible is full of wars, is full of, of love stories, is full of, of, of miracles, is full of all kinds of amazing things that happen. It's amazing. In fact, and I'll close with this, I know a girl that a couple students in my youth group were sharing their faith with, and this girl was a vigorous reader. She didn't believe in God, any of that kind of stuff, and so she just read all the time. She read hundreds of books. She was about 15 years old when this, when this happened, and, and so um, a, couple kids, a couple girls in my youth group were like, this girl was their friend, they said, you know, we're going to give her, we're give her uh, a Bible and just see if she'll read it. So they gave this girl the Bible, and she reads the Bible. This is a girl who reads hundreds of books. She reads through the Bible. She reads the entire thing in like three or four days. That's insane. So they, she comes back to school. She gives them the Bible back. They said, no, 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 you can keep it. And they asked her, they said, what would you think? And she says, that was the best book I've ever read in my entire life. A girl who read hundreds of books... They told this, this, these two girls in my youth group, they said, she said, I don't believe in God, I read the Bible, and that is the best book I've ever read in my entire life. I want to challenge you. It is not just the best book that I've ever read in my life, but this is the Word of God. And this will change your life, it'll change your heart, it'll change everything about you because the power of God is in His Word. Father, tonight I just pray God that you would be with these students. I pray, Lord, that they would be challenged by your Word, God. That they would get in the Word, that they would that they would study uh, your Scriptures, that they would try to seek you and and learn more about you through your Word, um, God. I know that that uh, um, that there are many in here that just find it difficult sometimes just to read or get into the Bible or any of that kind of stuff. And God, I pray that tonight, Lord. You've given them some things that will really help them out in that journey. And, uh, God, we just ask that you move in this place and, uh, and, and be with us tonight as we eat pizza after this is done and just uh, hang out together and enjoy time together. And, uh, God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.